and welcome to Refuge Podcast. This week we kick off a new series working through the story of Nehemiah. My name is Nicole and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Refuge. And this week I got to introduce us to Nehemiah, to his mission and the reason behind his mission. In this message, we'll look at the parallels between Nehemiah's mission to rebuild Jerusalem's walls and Jesus's mission to transform and rebuild humanity and our relationship with him. As you listen, be encouraged to think about what this story means for you personally, what it means for your relationship with God, and what it means for your relationship with your home church. With that, this is Nehemiah week one, Jesus and Nehemiah. Refuge is a safe place. I don't think it's working. Yeah, it is working. Is it working? I forgot what we were supposed to say. <laughs> Perfect. Refuge is a safe place. Oh, and stop. Sorry. Okay. Where do I look? Guys, is it okay if yeah, I Yeah, that's there? fine. Explore. Explore. Their faith in Jesus. Mouth it. Okay. Go. Refuge is a safe place for people to... No. Mm-mm. That's not it. You ready? Safe place is a... (laughs) (laughs) Refuge is a safe place for all people. Refuge is a safe place for all people. Refuge is a safe place for all people to explore. Why can't I All people. To restore and explore their faith in Jesus and his church. Refuge is a safe place for all people to explore and restore their faith in Jesus. And his church. Huh? And his church. And his church. There we go. This is good. Okay. All right. Action. Refuge is a safe place for all people to explore and restore their faith in Jesus and his church. He went real weathercaster there. Like, he, that, that was his goal. That's what he wanted to do. And in case you didn't catch it from members not being able to say it correctly and pastors not being able to say it correctly, Refuge is a safe place for all people to explore and restore their faith in Jesus and his church. And my name is Nicole. I'm one of the pastors here at Refuge. And tonight we are starting in um, a new series loosely based on the book of Nehemiah. And I say loosely based because typically what we've done in the past is when we work through a book in the Bible, we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We will do that with Jonah um, in a few weeks. But instead with Nehemiah, instead of going chapter and chapter by, and verse by verse, we're going to be looking at the bigger picture. Not just the story of Nehemiah and uh, but what it means for us personally, between us and God, our relationship, our personal intimacy with God, and what it means corporately for me and refuge. And none of us, not me, not Brian, not David, have ever preached on Nehemiah, never preached through the book of Nehemiah, never preached a sermon from any of the chapters in the book of Nehemiah. So this is fun for you, fun for us, and we don't really know what we're doing, so... That's a joke. We do. We do. We know what we're doing. (laughs) And reading through Nehemiah and preparing uh, for this series, I had a ton of ideas of what to do, a ton of ideas where I could really drive home some big points um, that uh, more or less perpetuate um, a Nicole-based agenda, teetering on the edge of me getting on my soapbox of theology and belief systems and all that fun stuff. But this is why I love being part of a team, because I threw that out there, and they were like, no. Lovingly, they said no. But I was challenged, and I was held accountable to make it less about all the um, stuff on the side, all the stuff on the margins, and bring it back to the main thing. I was held accountable to bring even this Old Testament book back to Jesus. Because the one thing about refuge that is 
as firm and true is that our foundation is built on Jesus, full stop. That's it. It's not built on our ideologies. It's not built on our theology. It's not built on all these things that that come and go and that we work through. Our foundation is built on Jesus. And so while the overarching theme of the book of Nehemiah is to rebuild, we're going to be focusing on Jesus and what this means, not just for us as a person, not what it, but what it means for us as a church. And we're going to be looking at this theme of rebuild. And like I said, you can go a lot of different ways with this theme. You hear the word rebuild and you think in terms of Christianity and your faith, you can rebuild theology, rebuild a church, rebuild beliefs, rebuild a team, rebuild a community, rebuild, insert whatever needs to be rebuilt. We're not going to overlook this theme um, as we teach through Nehemiah, but it's not going to be the main thing. Again, we're keeping the main thing Jesus. But as we work through Nehemiah, we're going to be looking at our past, our present, and our future. We're going to be looking at ourselves in that light, who we used to be, who we are now, and who God wants us to be. We're going to look at the past and the present and future as it relates to refuge, where refuge was when it started, where it is now, and where we want refuge to go. Themes heavy through this series are going to be my relationship between me and God and my relationship between me and my church. So you hear me say the big theme in Nehemiah is rebuild. Rebuild what, why, how, and what does it matter to me? And before we can really understand what Nehemiah is up to, I'm going to set the stage this week and next week to give you some insight into who Nehemiah was and why it's important what he did. And to understand this, we briefly need to understand how we get to Nehemiah. We're going to be looking at the past. And the key to, the, to Nehemiah's past is going to be found in Second Chronicles 36 and a little bit of Ezra. A lot of Ezra, but I couldn't preach a whole book of Ezra tonight because our sermon series is Nehemiah. And I just love to teach. So Brian was like, how about you do two weeks and split all that up into two weeks so you're not talking too long? So... We're going to be, you think I'm joking. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at Second Chronicles and a little bit of Ezra tonight. Um, and these are Old Testament books. And all of Old Testament books, most of them are the story of the children of Israel, the fickle, unfaithful, troublesome, rule-breaking children of Israel. And a common Old Testament phrase that, we're going to, that you will see a lot in the Old Testament if you read it much is that, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. In the Old Testament, a lot of these books, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalm. Anyways, anybody else learn the book of the Bible songs or just me? I don't know. Anyways, moving on. So the Old Testament, a lot of it is set up like this. So this dude became king of Jerusalem, and he was a pretty good dude, but then he died. And then his son became king, and he was not so good, and it made God sad. But then the evil king died, and his son was pretty good, so he was a pretty cool king. And then God was happy until he died, and then his son, who sucked even worse than his sucky grandfather, became king. And that's how it goes. You're, you're laughing at me? Go read it and tell me I'm wrong. Of course, this is the paraphrased NLT, Nicole's Loose Translation. It is, it's, much better, it's much better in the actual book, you know, book versus movie, whatever. And it's this rich, rinse, wash, repeat kind of cycle. This dude was okay, but then, then his, he died, and his son did what was evil in the Lord's sight. And we, we go through this rinse, wash, repeat until we get to Second Chronicles 36, 11 
through 12, and this is what it said. So before church started, I'll give you a little behind the scenes. I was in my office listening to how some of these names are pronounced. So (laughs) I'm still going to get them wrong. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 11 years. But Zedekiah did what was evil in the sight of his God. Told you so. And he refused to humble himself when the prophet Jeremiah spoke to him directly from the Lord. So Zedekiah is king, of, is king of Judah right now, and he's told directly through a prophet, which is how God communicated to kings at the time, and God told him directly, stop being dumb or it's going to get really bad for y'all. He doesn't listen. So God allowed the king of Babylon to conquer Jerusalem, and the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, destroys the city, the temple, and the city walls. And the city of Jerusalem was left desolate for 70 years. And so while Nehemiah is going to be about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, but that's only part of a broader story of hope and restoration and rebuilding and worship, to understand what Nehemiah does, we have to understand why Nehemiah is doing what he's doing. And we figure that out when we look at Ezra, who was a priest. And so why is he important? Who is he? Like I said, he was a priest who came in 70 years after the destruction of Jerusalem and the exile of the Jews. And he decided that the temple of the Lord inside Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt. So he led the charge in rebuilding the temple, which was the spiritual foundation of the city and for the Jews. And after the Jews were exiled and the city was destroyed, not only was the temple gone, but the very heart of the city which meant the heart and the desire to worship God was gone. So Ezra was a priest committed to God's law. He was committed to God's purpose. And he not only rebuilt the temple, but he ignited a spirit of worship back into the hearts of the people. He brought, who was trying to bring life back into a dead and desolate place. And it's hard to tell Nehemiah's story without talking a little bit about Ezra because it's important to understand Ezra's role in rebuilding and reestablishing of the reestablishment of Jerusalem. It was Ezra's heart for God and his heart for worship, his heart for his people, and his desire to see rest, the restoration of the spiritual foundation of his community rebuilt. And that inspired Nehemiah to rebuild the city, the walls of the city. So Ezra cast the vision of restoration, and Nehemiah caught the vision. So Nehemiah is a story about faith and action. And a refuge must be a place of faith and action, not just a corporate group of people coming to sing together, to eat together, to worship together, welcoming all people, but a people who put rubber to the road and being people of action in and outside of these four walls. Building, supporting, recovering, growing, loving, accepting, giving, serving, greeting, helping. All of these verbs that end in I-N-G. All of them. All these things make this the best church I've ever attended. And it's not just because I get paid to say that. (laughs) Ezra, (laughs) I thought that would be funnier. Ezra cast the vision (laughs) to restore Jerusalem to its former glory. So that's the past. And Ezra lays the foundation of faithfulness, lays the foundation of making God the center of his worship, and that is the vision that Nehemiah catches, which is Nehemiah's present. And when we jump into the scripture, it's probably about 100 and 
150, 140, 150 years after the exiles of the Jews and the destruction of the temple and the city, the city walls and the city gate. So we're going to pick up in Nehemiah 1, uh, verses 1 through 4. And it says, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah. So basically, we're reading his diary. In late, in late autumn, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and great disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. So this is the inciting incident that puts Nehemiah into action. Nehemiah is told of the state of Jerusalem. He's not in Jerusalem himself, but some family comes to visit him with bad news, and it's a real bummer. Isn't that how most family visits go? <laughs> the walls and the gates are destroyed, and the people inside are not doing well, and this breaks Nehemiah's heart. There are problems inside, moral and spiritual problems inside the city, while problems are happening outside as well because they are vulnerable to attacks from foreign enemies. And these foreign enemies are not so keen on them worshiping God. Not only do they want the city to be destroyed, but they want the worship of God to be stopped. So the past, Ezra rebuilds the temple and the altar. He reestablishes worship to the one true God in the heart of the city, brings back a passion to worship, a passion to honor God in the way that, that God deserves to be honored. They want to keep the main thing the main thing. And we get to the present. And Nehemiah is about building the walls and rebuilding the gates of the city. So why are walls important outside of privacy being important? Wall that was also a joke, guys. Like, without walls, people see you in anyways. Whatever. I'm sorry, my jokes are on fire and you guys are just not keeping up with me tonight, okay? <laughs> why are walls important? Walls mean protection. In, in this era, walls, walls were not just what we think of walls, but they were, they were tall, they were wide, they were deep. People lived in them. You could ride chariots across the top of these walls. These were not just like, like little Lego walls that you build with your toddler. They're massive, they're huge, and they have been destroyed. And a wall is important for protection. It is a crucial defense mechanism in this day and age. Not only were they for protection, but they conveyed strength and stability. You see a city with big walls, you think of uh, strength, a strong economy, their, their property, their resources, their income, it's all protected. There's a sense of confidence in the, in the city's leadership. If they got walls and they're standing, the, the dude inside is doing a good job. And there's psychological comforts, knowing that there's such a strong defense surrounding the people inside. And walls also brought identity and unity to the people within their boundaries. It gave them a sense of community. Walls represented the, represented the heart of the community working inside together. And the gates, the city gates, literally allowed life to flow in and out of the city. So without gates, without walls, Jerusalem was dead. 
Jerusalem's walls were important because it was because of the religious epicenter that it was known as. And the walls protected the temple. So what do we know up to this point? Jerusalem's been destroyed. Ezra rebuilds the temple and brings back and tries to reestablish the spiritual foundation in the city. The walls and the gates are in shambles, and this causes Nehemiah a great deal of distress, so much so that he sat down and cried. So if you take nothing else away from tonight, it is okay to sit down and cry sometimes. Sometimes you just have to. Nehemiah also cared a great deal for circumstances and people outside of his immediate reach. One thing we can know about the Old Testament is that it is pointing us to the coming of the Messiah. Some way, somehow, we always get back to Jesus. We always come back to the main thing. The foundation of everything is Jesus. Nehemiah had caught the vision to physically rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. If Jerusalem had its walls rebuilt, it could thrive again economically and spiritually. Life could flow in and out through the gates once again. And at this time, Nehemiah was the savior Jerusalem needed. People were still trying to live within these um, dilapidated city walls, but they were failing. Even though they were doing their best to reestablish life, they were failing. They weren't protected. There was no sense of unity. There was no sense of safety. To rebuild the walls would mean to rebuild the humanity and the life that was once known inside of the city. Jesus came as the ultimate rebuilder to reestablish relationship between God and humanity, between me and God, between us and God. And I talked about the new humanity Jesus wanted to establish on earth when I preached from Ephesians, and I just want to share a couple verses from Ephesians tonight. Ephesians 2:14 says, "For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jew and Gentile into one people." In his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commands and regulations, and he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Jesus came to rebuild one new humanity. Rebuild, repair, and restore humanity's relationship with God. To repair my relationship with God. To repair your relationship with God. And the vision that Nehemiah caught from Ezra was ultimately centered around worship. It was about restoring and protecting relationship, but also about Ezra's desire to worship the one true God in spirit and in truth. Ezra wanted to reestablish that worship, and Nehemiah wanted to protect that worship. Jesus tells us what true worship is, to worship in spirit and in truth, which is moving beyond ritualistic practices to the genuine heart-centered worship of God. Worship and faith and action. In John 4, 23 through 24, 
It says, but the time is coming. This is Jesus speaking. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship with faith and action. Jesus was casting the vision for the kingdom of God, rebuilding humanity, a new humanity. Nehemiah's story serves as a foreshadowing of Jesus' ultimate mission of restoration and redemption. God's plan for redemption reaches into both the physical and the spiritual. In John 21, post Jesus' resurrection, he's hanging out with his disciples, he's fishing, he's eating, he's enjoying everybody's company. Then Peter and Jesus have this side conversation. John 21, verses 15 through 17. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. When we think about this conversation, we have to think about the context that this conversation is happening in. In light of the events of uh, Jesus' arrest, his death, his resurrection, Peter's actions during trial when Peter denies ever having known Jesus. Jesus is hanging out with Peter, still talking to Peter, having conversation with Peter. After Peter denied him, not once, not twice, but three times, it put a fracture in Peter and Jesus' relationship. Then Jesus asks Peter three times if he loved him, almost as if Jesus was giving the Peter the opportunity to cancel out each denial. That was Peter's past. Peter's present is now face-to-face with Jesus. and says, do you love me? This interaction Peter has with Jesus, it shows that Jesus not only forgave Peter, but is affirming and reestablishing and rebuilding his calling. That Peter wasn't stuck in the past of denial. That Peter wasn't stuck in those moments where he denied ever having known Jesus. But Jesus forgives him and he reminds him of his calling. He repairs the broken relationship between the two of them. Jesus rebuilds and restores, reaffirms who Peter is. And so that's when Jesus tells Peter, your future is to feed my sheep, to take care of my children. Then Jesus puts all of his faith, all of his trust, and all of his power into the commissioning of Peter. He tells him, you are going to shepherd and serve my followers between me and my church. Jesus is the ultimate rebuilder, using love and forgiveness to mend our relationship with him. He has forgiven our past, 
And here in our present, we have found a safe place to love and worship God. We are reconciled in him. We are rebuilt in him. We are reaffirmed in him. And our future requires that we tend to his sheep and we put our faith in action. In early 2020, I moved to Ohio. I had become... I had gotten a gig as a worship leader up there, and I was moving to small town, Ohio. And um, I was there for about a year and a half, went through some personal things, made the decision to come home. And when I did that, this is after being a worship leader for a year and a half, through shutdowns and COVIDs and lockdowns and all that craziness, and also having served in ministry since I was 14, 15 years old, just nonstop. So when I came back from Ohio... I wasn't doing nothing. I wasn't doing jack nothing. And I had, when people heard I was home, they're like, can you come play at this church? Can you come play at that church? Can you come do this? And I just, I didn't want to do it for uh, for a lot of reasons. But the main reasons is I was tired. I was sick of serving. I was sick of giving. I was sick of doing all the work, like just done working. I wanted to come home and relax and rest and restore and just not serve in ministry. That was my goal, to not serve in ministry. And I came, my mom talked me into coming here. I was like, I, I was like, I looked it up on the website. I listened to a couple sermons. I was like, okay, I can get down with this. I'll go. I came in. I wore my mask, mostly because I didn't want people to talk to me. And I thought that in Florida, if I had on a mask, people would think I was crazy and stay away from me. <laughs> so I wore my mask and I shook. Some of you have heard me say, tell the story before. I shook Brian's hand. He sees my tattoos and says, are you a musician? And... A year and a half later, here I am. But all the selfish reasons that I wanted to put ministry aside, all the selfish reasons that I wanted to stop and rest, were all about me. See, my past was my past. The things I'd been through, those, those were done and over with. I had worked through some things in Ohio, and I had to get out of bad situations and come home. And I got a season of rest. But in the present, when I walked into refuge, a safe place where I could be myself, I could be who I was created to be, to love and worship and be reconciled to God, rebuilt in him, and my calling reaffirmed, my only option was to step into my future and put my faith into action and do what God has called me to do, to feed God's sheep to serve, to help rebuild, to help establish, to help the future and the life here at Refuge. Refuge is a safe place to find forgiveness, to repair fractured relationships between you and God, me and God. But Refuge is also a safe place to serve one another, me and my church, you and your church. We are called to serve and care for one another, called to rebuild our walls, restructure and protect the beautiful work that God is doing here. Called to serve, support, encourage, take part in the growth of our home, of our family, to put our faith in action and build a community of misfits built on unity as a body of believers. I'm going to ask the band to come up as I close here. Jesus calls 
Jesus' call to Peter reflects the heart and the culture here at Refuge. A safe place where people are restored, people are empowered, people are encouraged to care for all of God's sheep. See, I knew when I moved home that it would be unlikely that I would find a church where I could serve in. It would be hard for me to find a church that believed the things that I believed about Jesus and Scripture and my foundation being on Jesus and still be able to serve. But when I came here, I was empowered. I was encouraged. I was affirmed in who I was. And I was able to take the step and put my faith in action. Jesus' restorative work that he did in my life is accomplished through the interconnectedness of service within this community of misfits. And as we move through this series and as we talk about Nehemiah and what he, what he did for the city of Jerusalem and how he did it and his heart for God and his heart for people, you're going to be encouraged to think about your part here at Refuge. We are a small church. We are a small community of misfits. Where God has forgiven our past, he has given us a safe place to love and worship him. So that requires us to put our faith in action and to step into the call that God has placed on our life. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we move into a time of worship. And I encourage you just as we worship to meditate on what resonates from this message with you. If it's a fractured relationship between you and Jesus, if it's trauma and past or hurt, hurt from the past and other church situations, other serving situations. But Father, we just invite you into this room as we close with some worship and reflection and meditation just for you to speak to our hearts. We've laid out the vision of what refuge is. A refuge is a safe place for all people to restore and explore their faith in Jesus and his church. God, I pray that we catch that vision and we run with that vision and we're able to put our faith in action. Will you have your way in this place tonight and be honored by our worship? We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't miss next week as we dive into Nehemiah's position as the king's cupbearer and how being in the right place at the right time propelled Nehemiah's mission forward. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet every Saturday night at 5.30 at 1901 Brantley Road, Fort Myers. You can catch the next live stream on Facebook at Refuge Church Fort Myers or also on Instagram at refuge.church. Thank you so much for listening.